Gracias, mi amigos, for coming to the podcast. It's Top Turtle MMA Podcast, episode 56, and it's brought to you by two amazing companies in the MMA world. The first company is Sisu Mouthguard. Sisu makes the most durable and thinnest mouthguard ever invented in the history of mankind. You can talk normally, breathe naturally, and stay hydrated during the game because you can actually drink with the mouth guard in your mouth. It's 1.6 millimeters thin. Head on over to SISUGuard.com. Get yourself the right mouth guard for your sport or activity. We are also brought to you by Datsusara Hemp Gear. Datsusara makes fight gear out of hemp, geese, fight shorts, and actually a really badass hemp t-shirt that I like to roll in. Very durable, antimicrobial. Head on over to dsgear.com. Enter in promo code TOPTURTLE. All one word, not case sensitive. That's how we roll. Get yourself a nice little discount. It helps support the show and keeps us in business. It keeps the lights on, as they say. Anywho, Datsusara Hemp Gear and Sisu Mouthguards brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We are rolling. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland, the co-editor of MMA-Manifesto.com, our mothership, part of the Sports Daily Network. You, of course, can catch us there. Also, tune in Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. We're omnipresent. We're wherever a podcast is streamable. You can catch us there. Subscribe to us. Gosh, Darn do we appreciate it when you subscribe to us. And uh, anything else I need to tell people, Gumby? No, I don't think so. All right, well, I'll mention this. You could follow the show at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter, and you could search for Top Turtle MMA on Facebook. You could email the show Top Turtle MMA on at Gmail. We're accepting both love and hate mail. One of the things I love about our show, Gumby, is we get right to the point. We try to keep the fight news fast and furious in as little time as possible because you got stuff to do, people. You don't want to hear us talk about our day <laughs> or make a bunch of nerdy insider MMA references like some other podcasts do. We're here to serve a purpose, and that's to give you some fight news, a little analyzation, and then get on with some interviews. So, Gumby, what do you say we Let's get right into this? Okay, here we go. So, it was UFC on Fox 23 this past weekend, and in the main event, it was the classic striker versus grappler matchup, but here was the mind blower. The striker Striker turned out to be the better grappler. Valentina Shevchenko gets a second round armbar over the Venezuela vixen. Juliana Pena, so surprising. Yeah, wicked surprising. And, and what was even more impressive about it wasn't just that she got it, but like the adjustments she made to get it. You know, like she saw the way that Pena was going to defend it, adjusted really well, had to have had it locked in really tight. I, I mean, I just thought her grappling was so impressive and it makes me like her even more for a rematch with Nunes. You know, I went into that fight saying, well, uh, the Venezuelan Vixen is more well-rounded than Shevchenko. And I knew, obviously, Shevchenko held the edge in the striking department. But then I realized, I mean, it was such a gap in the striking. You saw that... um, the Vixen did not want to even strike with her at all. No, it, she, she didn't she, even want to trade had, for a second. Absolutely not. And then you find out, I mean, as I started going through her record, she had submission wins, uh, you know, in the past. Did Shevchenko. Um, I was just very impressed. Yeah, she yeah. is not striker first. She is an all around good uh, MMA fighter. Yeah, I, I had seen her submission wins in the past. Definitely none as impressive as this. I, I think just when you see that grappler versus striker matchup, even though you know the striker has grappling skills or even though you know the grappler has striking skills, you expect them to go with their bread and butter. And, and I mean, she just... I, I think it makes the win that much more impressive that she went into 
to Pena's territory and beat her there. Uh, our work is done. We already know the next step for the winning fighter. Shevchenko's going to fight Amanda Nunes. They they even brought her in the octagon for a post-fight stare down and just crazy trash and, talk and, from two people yeah. whose English is their second language. <laughs> uh, but what would you do with someone like Pena, who you know was ranked number two, uh, talked a lot of shit leading up to this, like she was the cat's pajamas of the division. What do you do with her? I like the same cat's pajamas. <laughs> um, uh, I would probably go with the matchup, even though she's coming off a win. I like her against Raquel Pennington, uh, both off that same season of the Ultimate Fighter. She's highly ranked. She's coming off a win over Misha Tate. Uh, it, it would be get one of them right back into the mix for, uh, or one of them into the mix for for the next title shot coming up after that. Fair enough. In the co-main event, Jorge Masvidal, the former street fighter uh, from Kimbo Slice's neighborhood, he uh, got the upset win over Cowboy Donald Cerrone. Really won twice because I really believe Herb Dean stopped that fight before the bell at the end of the first round. Bell came in about a second after he uh, got in between them, and then he uh, got Masvidal got the job done in the second round. Um, You know, uh, Cerrone's head movement was not on par with Masvidal's, and uh, Masvidal right now, his stock has never been higher uh what do you think of the performance and what's next for uh for jorge masvidal yeah i i don't um i don't know necessarily that masvidal surprised me so much with his boxing but i feel like i was more surprised in how disappointing uh cowboys boxing was because you know like you said head movement wasn't there uh you know you expected more kicks out of him and you got very little um, he's a better grappler than Masvidal in no efforts to grapple with him. Um, but but props to Masvidal. I mean, his boxing was, you know, everything we wanted and more. And, you know, he definitely would have picked up some fans there, even if uh, he's in hostile territory. Where we go next with him? I- I'd love to see him fight Robbie Lawler. I mean, that's the fight I wanted for, for Cowboys. Is Masvidal at ATT? Um, I, I want to say yes. I-, I can't remember off the top of my head. That sounds right. I'll have the intern look um, it up right now. I just thought it would be I, interesting because obviously Lawler just left. He, he, yeah, he yeah. just left it. That would be interesting. You could also put him with either Diaz, brother. I mean, shit, it would be fun to watch a boxing match between Masvidal wow. and, and either Diaz, brother. You just blew my mind. Yeah, that's, that's a, actually what I want. Yeah, I want Masvidal versus a Diaz, brother. I mean, that's a, uh, either of them and Lawler makes a good boxing match. And confirmed, he yeah. is at ATT. Yeah. And why would we ever be surprised about that? If you find a winning fighter on a Saturday, Saturday night. Just say they're with ATT. They are on top of the fucking MMA world right now. Pardon my French. Um, Moving on in in the card, um, I did want to mention, we could come back to the main card, but I do want to mention, friend of the show, we were both so high on him, uh, Aljamain Sterling with the split decision loss to Rafa Sunsau. We talked about this after the last fight against Caraway. The striking, again, for him, he is a defensive striker. He tries to draw you in. He doesn't really have a ton of power, so when he does draw you in, you know, there's not enough of uh, an offensive output from Aljo with his hands. Yeah, I, I, I do think he needed to be more offensive. I don't quite know how I scored the fight. I, I tried to take myself out of it a little bit because, you know, I, I am an Aljamain Sterling fan, so I, I think I had it for him originally. I'm not sure if that made any sense um, because it was a really tough fight to score. They were both so much looking for the counter. I mean, Asunsao was too. Yeah, you're right. They're both counter strikers, which sometimes makes for a boring fight. What I will say, and, you know, this is sort of like a philosophical discussion. Aljo shot in for more takedowns. So that's like trying to be offensive grappling, but But, was shut down. Yeah, is it effective grappling? It's not. It's not effective grappling. So you just leave it. 
But to me, I almost like then in my head, I kind of start giving a advantage to Asansel because he stuffed the takedowns. Yeah, even though that's that. not how you're supposed to score, but in my mind, anyway. Um, and then I also just want to mention Sam Alvey, Nate Markhart. That's a fight I never want to see again, and I'm pretty bored with both of them. Yeah, I, I mean, I, so I love Alvey. He's usually super exciting. I assumed fighting somebody like Marquardt would be really exciting because Marquardt also throws caution to the wind, and then neither of them did. I think they had lots so and lots careful. of— careful. Yeah, they had lots and lots of respect for each other's hands, and, and it, you know, there's a reason to have respect for both of their hands. I mean, they both have thunder, but, like, it made it really, really tough to watch— uh, I think the decision was probably right on that one too, but like Alvy won via de, um, split decision, uh, unanimous unanimous decision. decision. Yeah, and and I I just uh, man I I wish I got to see the fight I thought it was going to be. All right, we'll go back to the main card, and uh, obviously this is probably the most exciting fighter on the card as far as upward trajectory. You had Francis Ngannou uh, knocking out Arlovsky or TKO in the first round. My God, is Naganu scary? Whew. Yeah, he is. In uh, you know, he, he's also good on the mic too. Saying he, you know, he's called out JDS in the past. He's called out Overeem, and now he added Kane's name to the mix too. Um, just willing to fight anybody at the top, and never has there been a heavyweight start with five consecutive finishes joining the UFC, and now we have one. Uh, Francis Naganu, five straight finishes, four TKOs. In a pretty damn good submission, if you count the you know the Albany one, uh, where you got that Kimura. Yeah, sweet Kimura from standing, uh, you know, ripped him down and finished it. So it's certainly going to be exciting to see where they go with him next. I have a feeling he doesn't get the the JDS Overeem Kane Velasquez level fighter. I think instead you're going to see him against like Ben Rothwell instead. Yeah, that's kind of where I thought they might go with it as well. I don't think he's going to be at that top tier of the division, but he's... but I'd take him in a fight with Rothwell right now because the dude is a freaking animal. Uh, all right. Also on uh, Saturday night, you had Alex Caceres losing uh, to Jason Knight via a rear naked choke. Didn't think he was going to sink in the rear naked choke just because of Alex Caceres's hair, but <laughs> very impressive display of grappling there by Jason Knight. Yeah, and I've been impressed with him since he started. Uh, I mean, his, his first fight was a short notice fight against Kawajiri, uh, Tetsuya Kawajiri. And, and taking it on short notice, he still almost submitted Kawajiri like two or three times off of his back. And I want to say he took that one from like four days notice. Um, training out of uh, Alan Belcher's gym, I think, in Alabama. So two, uh, maybe an up-and-coming gym. I know they cross-train with uh, Rufus Sport a little bit, so that's probably helpful. Um, but yeah, I'm super impressed with Jason Knight. Absolutely. Um, anyone else you want to mention from that card? I mean, those are like the, the main six. Uh, you know, you also had... Uh, Lee Jing Lang defeated Bobby Nash via KO, and you had Marcus Rogeria de Lima beat uh, Jeremy Kimball via TKO, and we had Jason Gonzalez locking in a Darce choke over JC Cottrell. Yeah, that was a quick Darce choke, too. I, I thought he tapped so fast to that. It must have been really sunk. But, you yeah, know, uh, you know, overall, a really good card. It, it definitely exceeded expectations despite a couple of weird decisions in the middle I, I try to tell mma fans as much as i can in the dark corners of the internet the trolls the message boards and all that don't judge a card until it happens yeah because <laughs> on paper you just never know all right we'll move now also on saturday night conor mcgregor had his presser i don't know how much analyzation really needs to go into this but uh the the quick summation gumby is 
fuck the UFC, fuck the WWE, fuck Nate Diaz for being Floyd's bitch. That part was actually pretty funny. He called Nate Diaz Floyd's bitch because Floyd put him on one of his like Instagram chats with his fans and was like, say what's up to my fans. And you had Nate Diaz, the uh, always rebel Nate Diaz saying, hey, Floyd's fans. It was kind of <laughs> nerdy. Uh, so he called Nate uh, his bitch or Floyd's bitch. Uh, and basically here were the two biggest takeaways from it, I, I think. One, he said Floyd is absolutely next, and he believes he could do it on his own with the Ali Act, but he admitted it's easier with the UFC involved. So that was one. And two, he said he will fight Nate Diaz in a trilogy. Those were like the two most concrete things you got out of him. He also floated this idea that he would have defended the 145-pound title in March, but they never asked him. They just stripped him of it. That, I find, just to be more kind of leverage promotional tactics on his part. The other thing that came out of it was that he just hasn't spoken with the new owners. And that seems to be a bone of contention with him because he was quite close with the Fertitas. Yeah, and, and he reasonably so. I think that's a power move more than anything by the new ownership trying to make it look like, you know, we don't need you. I don't know if they realize how much they do need him. Um, but in the same token, he needs them to get these big deals done. If he thinks that he's just going to, you know, be a tough guy and stay on the outside and say, I can do this without you. I mean, I really, really, truly think he's wrong. You're saying specifically to the Floyd fight. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, in, in there have been so many people who have tried to move on from one promotion to a next or move from one facet to another. Those contracts are pretty ironclad. I mean, you, you saw it with Eddie Alvarez, who got screwed over by Bellator. Um, I mean, look at Rampage. Rampage successfully fought the Bellator contract, got to the UFC, and then got pulled back to Bellator through uh, how tough those contracts are. So for me, to see Conor McGregor in a boxing ring, it's going to take... UFC co It's going to take UFC help. And, now, I, and I, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. I, I've referenced this article a number of times. Josh Nash of Bloody Elbow wrote the definitive piece on how Conor could fight Floyd if he wanted to pursue it through legal recourse. And obviously, Connor has the money. He doesn't have the money of the UFC in a you know prolonged legal battle. Uh, but it's a great article. You could just Google how Connor could fight Floyd, bloody elbow. And uh, you could read about that there. And Connor did admit himself that it will be easier with the UFC involved than with not. We'll move on now and go lightning fast here, Gumby. The London headliner for March is going to be Jimmy Manoa versus Corey Anderson. Uh, pretty important battle, I'd say, at 205. Uh, Corey Anderson, up-and-coming fighter. Manoa, um, I think, is now kind of coming into his own in MMA. Yeah, that, what you... that went over OSP was huge for him. It took him from being, like, second-tier light heavyweight to top-tier. It is a little disappointing to see him get to, the like, the top-tier of heavyweight, though, and then be the guy who has to welcome the newcomer. You know, like, he, it, it seemed like he had finally, like, crossed that cusp and would have gotten like Lover Teixeira or Ryan Bader or something like that. And and here he winds up with Corey Anderson, who, you know, I, I don't think stands up to, to Jimmy Manila very well. You know what I was looking up the other day and you just mentioned his name. I'm going to go off on a quick side tangent here. We have not had any news that Lorenz Larkin is any closer to signing as a free agent. And we have not had any news of where Bader will go as a free agent. But we do know that Bellator has reached out to both. Well, are we sure they've reached out to Lorenz Larkin? Because last I heard Scott Coker said that he had, maybe I'm remembering this wrong. Scott Coker said he wasn't interested in Lorenz Larkin after some discussions. So I think Lorenz Larkin is pricing himself out 
That's exactly well. That's exactly what happened. They made him an offer. Yeah, yeah. And Lorenz Larkin said it wasn't enough money. Yeah, for him. and and I think they've probably if they're like, well, that that's not enough money. You're. It's not like he's a big name. You know what I mean? The UFC is willing to let Lorenz Larkin walk, not because he's not a good fighter, but but because like I mean, ask an average fan who Lorenz Larkin is, and and he's one of the highest ranked guys who they wouldn't be able to answer that question to. Yeah, agreed. So what do you think of the main event of UFC London getting back on track? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an exciting matchup. Again, I I would be a little bit disappointed if I was Jimmy Manoa. Absolutely. And uh, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, Gumby, was CM Punk uh, has said he is feverishly trying to get his next fight in the UFC. Yeah, uh, not a surprise. Um, you know, like, you know, we've talked to his teammates in the past and stuff like that before. Most of them say, you know... If you were him, you'd try to get back in, too. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they I, do. I said, it at, I said it after the Mickey Gall fight. Mickey Gall is clearly a more skilled fighter, brown belt versus a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Forgetting about their records, Mickey Gall is going places, CM Punk, whatever you want to call this, um, you know, just a celebrity doing something uh, with his money, kind of living out of fantasy camp. That doesn't mean that they couldn't give him one more fight against the th- you know how many welterweights do they have on contract? Like, Gumby uh, ninety eight or something yeah. like that. God, get Almost get him 100. get him the ninety seventh guy from Mexico who has no wrestling and no jujitsu background who's just going to stand and trade with them and let's see how he does. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. All right, and last thing is uh, he's such a copycat at this point. Jose Aldo says now he wants to box. Oh, of course he does. Yeah, so you yeah. put no credence. You, in you that. know what the the problem with this is? The problem with this is exactly what the I have the same problem with Tyrone Woodley and the same problem with uh, Michael Bisping recently is that they see Conor McGregor do something and think that if they demand the same shit, they will become as popular as Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is not doing that shit to become popular. Conor McGregor is popular and then is doing that shit. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's drawing attention. They think it's the other way around, and that's why they're not getting anywhere, and that's why all three of them are getting frustrated with this shit. Uh, last thing I want to mention was Submission Underground 3 was this past weekend, and to me the most notable thing to come out of it was uh, Gary Tonin tr- uh, tapping to that uh, flying triangle choke. Antonio but- Carlos Jr. is a bad yes. man, though, dude. I mean, like, he he's a 205 fighter in the UFC. I mean, I don't even think they weighed in for these fights, but he has to be walking around at 230, 235. Tonin weighed in at a heavy 170. You know, I, I mean, the dude's given up almost 60 pounds to a world champion. You know, even a great grappler, that's a lot to make up. Yeah, one thing I do love is that people are talking about this, though, and it's people talking about submission grappling. Uh, I think Sug uh, Submission Underground is doing a wonderful job of getting some UFC fighters in the mix yeah. just to bring attention to the event um, from casual fans. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even casual fans who might not uh, be doing MMA. And last thing here, I just want to mention, Gumby, because the intern confirmed it for me, uh, that Manoa versus Anderson fight will take place on Saturday, March 18th at the O2, O2 Arena in London. Yeah, and it's always fun to see those fights in London, too, because they, they've got such great British prospects that we, we rarely ever see. So uh, look forward to that one. You it, figure it, the undercard will be loaded with... Oh, yeah. oh I already know. Ar- Arnold Allen is scheduled for a fight. I love Arnold Allen. I think he's fighting Makwan Amirakani, who's a fun uh, Finnish fighter. So, I, I mean, there are fights like that all over the, the undercard every single time they go there. All right, Gumby. We will transition now to our interview with Vulcan Ozdemir, who is a uh, black zillion fighter, uh, the rumors of their demise might have been premature he still labels himself 
himself as a black zillion fighter and uh before i play you this interview i'd like to say it's brought to you by datsusara hemp gear uh it's fight gear made entirely out of hemp super durable antimicrobial hemp is like a trillion times stronger than cotton i have their hemp fight shorts and i absolutely freaking love them uh they're my favorite pair of fight shorts and i know you have them as well gumby yeah they're in my bag right now heading to jujitsu after this uh i, I mean they're, they're by far the best shorts i've ever had they don't ride up on you they don't rip they don't tear they don't pull they're just the best ones you can have and if you don't believe me try them out head on over to dsgear.com use the promo code top turtle not case sensitive punch it in and get yourself five percent off all right datsusara hemp gear brings you our interview with vulcan ozdemir Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonte, and we are talking to Vulcan Ozdemir, who fights Ovin St. Prue at Ultimate Fight Night 104 in Houston this weekend. So this weekend, Vulcan, you step up on short notice to take on a guy who only two fights ago was fighting Johnny Bones Jones for the title. When they offered you that fight, what went through your head, and was there any hesitation, or did you just say yes right away? Yeah, for sure. I was supposed to fight for the title MC belt. So I was already training, you know, and um, one day before the weighing, I got a call from the promoter, Lex, and uh, he told me, hey, you have to call me. Something happened, but it's not neg- negative. So I called him right away, and he told me, hey, you got a UFC call. And uh, he told me it's, a, it's against OSP, and I say yes right away, you know, like, how can you say no? It's the, it's the best fight to to make a, a, a big entrance, you know, a big entry in the, in the UFC. And, and that was very decent of him to do as a promoter to kind of step aside, you know, his own title fight uh, for the betterment of your career because he obviously knew the UFC is the big show. And, and uh, I think that was uh, pretty unprecedented for a promoter, right? Yeah, I appreciate that because uh, he could have kept me for one more fight, you know. I, had a good, I could have a, a good win and then I, I will be in UFC anyway after that, you know. But uh, he just stepped up for me, and you know he helped me. He helped me n- numerous occasions, so I'm 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 really grateful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Lex McMahon with with Titan FC is is one of the best guys in the business who, who I've ever talked with too. Um, let, let's talk about a little bit about getting ready for the fight because you said you were going to fight for Titan FC. You were going to fight for their heavyweight title, though. Uh, you know your last fight, you weighed in at almost 240 pounds. Uh, and, and both the last two fights that didn't happen were both at heavyweight as well. So I, I mean. What's the difference in getting ready for a fight at 205 versus getting ready at 240? Um, my style is different. I, I'm more mobile now. You know, I'm, I'm trying to do different stuff, moving around, you know, using my cardio. Because when I'm more heavy also, it's, you know, I'm using my power more and stuff like that. But uh, the main part of my training right now is not, re- it's not really training. It's just cutting weight because I was, I was 237 when i when i got the call and man it's like it's a work you know it's a process i'm i'm losing my i have to cut the weight down and i'm getting there i'm getting there yeah and, and we've seen some videos of you too training with you know guys like stefan struve and and we saw a picture of you with francis naganu who picked up a big win this past weekend you know obviously really really big guys is there a difference in, in your game plan when you go in to fight a guy who's 265 or spar with a guy who's 265 versus somebody who's much smaller like OSP? Yeah, um, it's all about how they want to fight me. And, uh, you know, like those big guys, they move slower, you know, compared to, to a fiver. 
But uh, I'm training with two or five, or you know, AJ, Linton Vassell, you know, a lot of guys too. So for me, it's, you know, it's just a little. I just have to make a little difference, so it's all good for me. But it's a, it's all, it's always a different style. But I'm, I'm trying to adapt to any opponent I'm facing. Makes a lot of sense. So, so you've been doing a lot of training. You said you're in Florida right now, doing a lot of training with the Black Zillions, um, which seems to be all over the news right now. Uh, you know, Rashad Evans talked about it closing. Obviously, those rumors were were absolutely blown out of proportion. Is all of the rumors and stuff swirling around about the Black Zillions affecting the training at all there, or does it seem to be just you know another day at the office in in Florida? Uh, I mean, I guess all those rumors affect more the people that talk. And I'm not the guy who's, you know, as a Swiss guy, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> taking any part in politics. So, you know, I'm just trying to stay away from all the bullshit and all the crap so I can just do my stuff. Absolutely. And, and you know, so let's talk about, you know, obviously you're filling in for the fight for OSP. Uh, I, I, you know, I mentioned I saw he's training with Struve for his fight with uh, Junior Dos Santos. When Struve hurt his shoulder in there, you know, you are a heavyweight. Was there any thought to taking or asking for the Junior Dos Santos fight uh, before you got the Ovin St. Prue fight? No, I was really focused on Titan FC, and I wanted to, to make my way to the UFC with, with one more win or two more wins. So I really didn't thought about the UFC until the Lex called me, you know. Understood completely. Well, speaking of UFC heavyweights, uh, Francis Naganu, who who we've seen photos of you training with in the past, he he's you know uh, on the top of everyone's mind right now as a real up and comer at heavyweight. What was it like training with him? Any insights into just how much of a MMA prodigy he is? I mean, it seems like it, it would be impossible to really get anything off on him. Uh, he's just been so dominant in the UFC. Have, have you found the same thing in the practice room? Yeah, he's just a beast, you know, he's, he's like really strong and, you know, like naturally strong, you know, it's African power, mm-hmm. you know, it's like he has a marabou, uh, you know, uh, rooting for him, you know, like some magic African power or whatever, <laughs> but um, he's like, you know, he's unbelievable, he's unbelievable how, how strong he is, you know, and he has so much balance, he's really fast too, you know, so, so, and he's new, he's new to MMA, you know, he's been training for like five years, four years, something like that, so... You know he's gonna he's gonna take he's gonna take over the the heavyweight division for sure. Yeah, and and it certainly seems that way after a fight like that. You know, it, it, and you mentioned a little bit too on on how he's kind of you know you know flying the flag for for African fighters because there aren't that many out there. He's also a French fighter, not a ton of French fighters out there. You know, we we know you're Swiss in background. Do you feel like you're you know almost carrying the flag for the Swiss a little bit? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm the first Swiss fighter, you know. And um, in Switzerland, there is three parts. So the French part, the German part, and the Italian part. And uh, I'm from the French part, so I also feel like, you know, I'm part of the all those French, you know, speaking countries. So um, we try to be, you know, like all together. So, you know, I try to root for him. He's rooting for me. So, yeah. When you talk to people back in your native uh, homeland uh, in Switzerland, is MMA more at the forefront of the culture now? Is it, is it still got a ways to go? I mean, do people kind of look at you sideways when you say, I'm an MMA fighter? No, I mean, uh, it's, be, it's becoming really popular, you know. We still need, like, a TV deal somewhere to make it really, really big. 
but people know that uh, I'm on the news also, people following me and stuff like that. So it's more like all the young people know about UFC and MMA. And it's more about like we have to teach maybe the older crowd a little bit now. And TV deal or me, actually me, I'm going to help that a lot, you know. And because um, I, I plan of on doing a media tour after the fight, you know, and stuff like that. So we'll see, you know, I try to develop the, the stuff over there. That That's awesome to hear. And, you know, we, we talked to Tarek Safadine about similar things going on in Belgium. Uh, you know, he's French speaking from Belgium, doing similar things out there, too. And it's it's just great to see more and more European countries getting into the sport. Um, let, let's get back to the OSP fight just a little bit. Uh, talk to you before we, we have to let you go. Um, you know, he, he has had a very strong game in the past, obviously losing his last one, but but being on a hell of a run before that, what do you see as the big weakness in your game, and and how do you see this one playing out on Saturday? I think I'm prepared for everything that he's going to have to offer for me, you know. He's an athlete, he's strong, and he's fast, you know, but that's it, you know. He's an athlete, and I'm a fighter, you know, so that's how we're going to play that. Well, very well said, and uh, very interesting, taking this fight on short notice. Uh, OSP is no easy day in the office, as they say, but obviously it's why you took the fight, and uh, you would certainly make a name for yourself with a big win in your debut. Uh, So, Vulcan, we wish you the best of luck in the fight. Uh, Vulcan will be fighting OSP this Saturday, uh, Super Bowl weekend, February 4th in Houston. Thanks so much, Vulcan, for the time, and best of luck again in the fight. Thank you, I appreciate it. All right, Gumby, there you have it, Vulcan Oldsdemir. Yeah, and I, I am a big fan of, of MMA in Europe uh, between Cage Warriors and all the other promotions out there, the smaller ones. It's always good to see more and more countries getting involved. It just means we're going to see more and more talent in the UFC uh, from overseas. All right, well, this weekend is uh, fight night in Houston, Saturday, February 4th, Super Bowl weekend, the Super Bowl taking place in Houston as well. Uh, Not a star-studded lineup by any stretch of the imagination. I know you're looking forward to this fight card. Uh, Let's talk first and foremost about our friend of the show, Vulcan, stepping up on short notice to take on OSP. Uh, If I go to the odds, Gumby... Uh, Ovin St. Prue is a minus 280 favorite. Uh, Vulcan, you could get as a plus 240 dog. Being that it's short notice, being that it's his first fight in the UFC, I would have thought you could get him at like a plus something over 300. Yeah, I, I would have been really intrigued if I could have gotten him at like 350 or 400 be- just because, you know, I mean, he's a huge guy. He's like 6'1", walks around at 240, 245. He's huge, right? So if you could have gotten him there, you you would expect his punching power is going to, to be enough that one touch, you know, knocks out OSP. 240 is, is a tough sell for me. Uh, I would say that that is probably the way that that the bookies could keep me the least interested possible because I don't yeah. have it. I don't have any interest in either of them at that line. It's just like right down the middle at, at where I feel safe. Yeah, understood completely. Um, well, I'll tell you this much: uh, it's a tall test for your first fight. But like I said to him, a win, you know, instantly vaults him. Uh, he's yet, immediately in the top 10. Yeah. If he knocks out OSP, he's a top 10 fighter right now. And if now. he puts up a good fight, everyone's going to say, hey, he took it on short notice. Still a bright future the, ahead of the him. The Pat Cummins deal, yeah. right? Pat Cummins fought uh, Dan Cormier, Cormier in yeah. a main event on short notice. I mean, I mean he's going to get the same treatment. The UFC is going to take care of him, win or lose. And, and, you know, if he wins, he is way up there. All right. Now uh, we'll bust out to the main event here. You have Korean Zombie coming back from a three-year layoff after mandatory military service. Uh, 
in Korea. His last fight, believe it or not, was August of title 2013. Shot. <laughs> title shot. Lost to Jose Aldo. Before that, he beat a guy by the name of Dustin Poirier via a Darce choke. Uh, and Which then, is badass. That, that's a big dude at 45. <laughs> and he beat Mark Hominick, uh, another great guy, via KO before that in December of 2011. Uh, beat Leonard Garcia, too. Fun Twister. Twister. Yeah. So, I mean, those three wins in a row were pretty big. Leonard Garcia, Mark Hominick, Dustin Poirier, who, of course, has since moved up to uh, 155. And been largely successful there. But then lost to the GOAT featherweight at the time <laughs> jose aldo uh and now making his comeback against dennis bermudez bermudez has had a bit of an up and down career uh after being thought of uh very highly as a prospect you go back to may of 2013 just as uh the korean zombie was wrapping things up before his mandatory military service uh dennis bermudez was beating max holloway via split decision then reeled off wins against steven seiler clay guida jimmy hetz uh he had won five in a row at the ufc no no, take that back. Six in a row in the UFC. And that includes Max Holloway. And that includes Max Holloway. And then ran into Ricardo Lamas, lost via guillotine choke, and got uh, knocked out via flying knee and punches against Jeremy Stevens. So two losses in a row. But now has come back and beat Tatsuyu, uh, Tatsuya Kawajiri, who Japanese names are tough this late at <laughs> night, and uh, Roni Jason. So two in a row now for Bermudez. Gets the main event slot, Super Bowl weekend. Your prediction. I mean, I think if we see the Chan Sung Jung that we saw before he left, if he hasn't lost a step, if he's been training and his training is as high level as it was when he left, I actually favor him in this fight. It's just so hard to pick knowing he's been away for three years and not knowing what his training has been like. You know, I've seen him in, in at the lab. I've seen him at, at ATT since he's he's come back. But, you know, how long is that gap, Ben? I, if you're picking safe here, pick Dennis Bermudez. But if you're thinking about where Chan Sung Jung used to be, his takedown defense used to be awesome. He stopped Poye four in a row when they fought and wound up winning on the, the fourth attempt with the Darius joke. So you're going with? I, I'm going to go with Chan Sung Jung. I like the Korean zombie here. I, I believe that he's probably doing enough to stay at the top of his game. All right. Well, he is the plus 155 dog. Bermudez, you can get as a minus 175 favorite. We move to the co-main event. You have Felice Herrig. Uh, this is at straw weight for the women. Uh, she'll be fighting up-and-coming prospect, 23-year-old Alexa Grasso, who's 1-0 in the UFC after beating Heather Joe Clark via unanimous decision back in November of 2016. 9-0 as a pro. Who you got here, Alexa Grasso versus Felice Herrick? This is just a perfect fight for Alexa Grasso. I mean, she she is a hell of a striker, hell of a grabber. She's just got an awesome all-around game. She is really... They're building her up the way that they built Yair Rodriguez up as kind of the king and queen of Mexican MMA right now uh, and doing it a little bit slowly. I'm a big fan of I think you could have probably thrown her way up to the top of the division after beating the snot out of Heather Joe Clark. And, and instead, they play her with Felice Herrick, who's had an up and down past, you know, kind of playing it a little Still safer with middle it. of the division, though. Yeah, middle of well, middle of a division and that's in, got 25 people. in and it. In, <laughs> and, well, no, she's not middle of the division. She's in the middle of the top 10. Right. Like what she ranked. Felice Herrick. Yeah, I'm not sure Felice Herrick is ranked, man. What? At mm. UFC strawweight? You want uh, maybe 15. You, I'll say 15. Oh, my God. Put the intern on it. I'll say maybe 15. I bet you Grasso's ranked higher already. I, I will go. With one fight, I bet Fel you Grasso's ranked Felice higher. Felice Herrig, who just lost to, who'd she lose to? To Paige, right? She has to be ranked somewhere in the 5 to 
13 range. I, I will say I'll take 14 and 15. You can have anything above that. What are we betting on this? A protein uh, shake post open match? Sure. That sounds good. Okay. So the intern is going to have a you. chocolate milk instead when I win. Yeah. Sometimes I like a chocolate milk after working <laughs> out. All right. Big reveal. She isn't ranked. She's not ranked. <laughs> that shocks I, me. I, I just got it up on my phone too. Alexa Grasso here. Number 12. I would have thought Grasso was higher, uh, but, but Herrick not ranked. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> fine. You win that one. But again, I mean, the women's strawweight division. Like, I, mean, I mean, she's still probably a top 20 talent, but it's a division with like 25, 30 people in it. That, I, that puts her in the bottom half yeah. almost immediately. I, trust me. I'm not saying I'm a Felice Herrick fan. I just would have thought she just came off the loss to Paige Van Zant. Had one, I think one or two before that. We'll get the intern on that. I'm just surprised she's not in the top 15. We don't have to stay on it, but bottom line is she's not even the favorite here against someone who's only had one fight in the UFC. Yeah, and I, I expect her to get crushed, to be honest. Um, we'll move on then to uh, the next fight on the main card, which is Abel Trujillo uh, versus James Vick. Uh, Trujillo minus 105, Vick minus 115. What do you think? I actually think I like James Vick in this one. I, I mean, Trujillo is a big, bigger, stronger guy. Vic is very crafty with submission defense when when uh, people shoot in on him. And if not, he's much longer than Trujillo. As long as he can stay away from the power shot, I like him in this one. All right, stepping back a bit. So Felice Herrig is 2-1 and one in the UFC. She's coming off a win over Kalen Curran via rear naked choke back in July. I think that's just – and it was a performance of the night. I just assumed she would have been in the top 15. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, moving on, uh, you have Anthony Freytrain Hamilton, who was uh, a loser just this past uh, – I think it was December. That, he got tapped out by Francis Nagano. Uh, yeah. He's minus 170 favorite against Marcel Fortuna, plus 150 dog. Your thoughts? Uh, I, I actually like freight train in this one. Uh, Fortuna is a light heavyweight. He was on the light heavyweight season, the ultimate fighter. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I don't even think he made it into the house. I think he lost to Corey Hendricks, um, who might have had one or two fights in the UFC. It's a guy who shouldn't be in the heavyweight division fighting in the heavyweight division. I like freight train in this one. All right. And then largest underdog on the night. This is still the main card. You have Angela Hill making her return to the UFC as a plus 350 dog to Jessica Andrade, the minus 440 favorite. Your thoughts? These are exciting odds, but I still think I'm going with Andrade. I, I mean, Hill's got a better than a three to three and a half to one chance. And just look like a freaking animal at 150. I think she's a title challenger right now. Uh, I think Hill's best shot in this would be to hang in there for rounds one and, oh, and two wear her out. and hope Andrade gasses out in round three. She's got the athleticism to hang with her as long as she doesn't get knocked out. Uh, and then just looking at the undercard, Gumby, I'll ask you any fight you're really looking forward to or performer that you're really looking forward to seeing. I'm super looking forward to Adam Milstead versus Curtis Blades as heavyweight prospects. I think Blades is a beast. He actually took a round off of Francis Naganu. People forget before the fight was called due to his eye being closed shut. He, it was arguably one round apiece going into the third round. This is a guy who could have beaten Francis Naganu. Um, I think it's super exciting to see him against another prospect in Milstead. You got Tisha Torres on the undercard. Tisha Torres is a beast to be on that card. And uh, friend of the show, Chaz Skelly, fights Chris Grutzmacher. Um, both being decent prospects there. It should be a fun little grappling match between those two. All right. Well, that is this Saturday night, fight night in Houston. Uh, you can check your local listings. This was Top Turtle MMA Podcast, Episode 53. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Thanks so much for listening.